three, two, one. Yo, listen up. Here's the story about three little guys that lived in a sardonic world and all day and all night and everything they saw was just sardonic, like them inside and outside. I don't want to get copyright claimed. Hey, everybody. Wow, the nostalgia. Did you see someone compiled all the openings from the all like the, I all the episodes we've done so far? I was thinking yeah, we should have done cool. the oh, same yeah, thing yeah. and uploaded it on the channel and monetized it. Nah, <laughs> you let fans do something like that. Fine. Anyway, yeah. uh, I'm Adam from Your Movie Sucks. This is Sardonicast. I'm Ralph, the movie maker from YouTube.com slash Ralph the movie maker. <laughs> and I'm Alex Maichi. And yeah, that was a nostalgic opening for me. That was actually the first... Uh, like album, it wasn't an album. It was like a single that oh. I ever owned a physical copy of. Was oh, that nice. very song? Oh, that's great. I can't even remember what it. What's it called? Blue. Blue Dabba D. Blue. Yeah, I think everyone it's... just calls it Blue Dabba D. <laughs> I think that might be the title. It's by Eiffel sixty five. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. There's that. Oh, there's wow. actually like a documentary about how the song was made on YouTube. That's pretty interesting. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. I I think a lot of my music listening is just nostalgic 90s shit <laughs> yeah. late 90s early 2000s like fucking blasting aqua in the car you know i love that shit <laughs> lots of personality to it that's for sure yeah i feel like like a boomer where <laughs> they just listen to their classic 70s rock except i'm listening to a bunch of yeah. 90s pop <laughs> anyway ralph and i were at sundance for a bit yeah yeah. yeah, let me tell me about it. Well, we snowboarded. <laughs> well, I snowboarded. <laughs> That's the most notable part. You fell. Yeah, I fell a lot, but yeah, I snowboarded. I snowboarded plenty, considering it was my first time. It was pretty that good was your first time. for your first time yeah, snowboarding. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, and we did like the harder slopes too. Yeah, but well, not the harder ones. Yeah, we did. We did one harder one. They, we, we did we one, did one that of the wasn't like a green blue squares. circle. Or, yeah, we did one of those. That was rough. But uh, snowboarding is frightening as it looks. Yeah, it's pretty scary. But once you get the hang of it, because <laughs> I've never, like, I've never gone. Yeah, the balance, getting the balance is hard. But yeah, I got the, I got the hang of it. It was fine. I was trying to teach Ralph and uh, Peach Saliva, who's a Twitch streamer and a good friend of mine. I was trying to teach them both how to snowboard at the same time, and I'm not a professional <laughs> instructor. And they had never touched a snowboard or skis before in their lives. So it was pretty ambitious. Yeah, there's no way I could hear you either. Because I I'm had sorry. like a helmet on and a hat <laughs> oh, and really? like earmuffs <laughs> and like, you know, and, and like Adam's talking through a mask because he has like, like a, a face mask on because it's so cold. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I, I think hear you like, guys did pretty good, all things considered. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. Yeah. I probably should have started you guys on skis. I think that would have been easier. Are skis easier? I think you know, like snowboarding would be I was easier. going through my own perspective, and I have more confidence in my snowboard than I do in skis. And I've done both. And I started out on skis and moved to snowboard. But I think if you've never touched either before, I think skis would probably be easier to start out on. I think I think it would be easier to like balance yourself on. Because you guys were having trouble just like getting up and staying up. Yeah, sort of I thing. had some trouble getting up. But we went down the whole fucking mountain. We started at yeah. the, we went to the very top and went all the way down. So yeah. it was great. It was a lot of fun. We uh, yeah. got stuck in a ski lift, and then they left us yeah, there over night. the weekend. And then wolves came. 
Mm-hmm. And then I tried to jump down. I tried down to jump I, off. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ralph tried to jump down <laughs> and broke his broke leg. My and then skin I tried to stuck on the. Yeah. Yeah, that was Pe- Peach lost her hand. <laughs> and I tried to <laughs> climb across the the wire, but it was razor sharp and I couldn't. And then it was so cold <laughs> that we couldn't see our breath anymore because our bodies became hypothermic and we couldn't yeah. see our breath. Anyway, Please we also stop. saw some movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's what do you see? There was a movie on a mountain, or at least it took place somewhat on a mountain, called mm-hmm. The Climb, about yeah, them riding bikes that. up a mountain. <laughs> it was more about, like, friendship, I guess. It premiered at Cannes, so Adam had seen it before. He just wanted to show me, and I loved it. I thought it was so great. It had a lot of personality. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best things I've seen. If it's considered a movie from last year, it's one of the best of last year, I think. Yeah. I don't know why you consider it last year when you consider Climax the year after it came out. Well, I just consider whatever. It's just an excuse to recommend good movies. That's what I always thought it was. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think the list making was that important. But what did you think of it, Adam? Considering you saw it twice. Oh, I love it, obviously. Yeah, if if I'm watching a movie for a second time and I'm introducing other people to it, I think that's a sure sign that I enjoyed it. And they were there, too. The director and some of the cast, the editor. Oh, nice. And you could tell, like, the personality they had on stage carried over into the movie. Yeah, the writer and director starred in the film. It was really low Mm -hmm. budget, but really ambitious at the same time. Yeah, really well shot. Every scene is presented in one take, basically. A lot like another movie we talked about. (laughs) Um, And it felt a little more inspired in this. Yeah, much more personal and genuine. Mm Mm-hmm. What were the other ones we saw? So, oh yeah, uh, Zola and uh, we saw the Nighthouse also. The Nighthouse. The yeah. Nighthouse. I wasn't. I wasn't crazy about that one. That was a was horror. The new film. David Bruckner horror movie. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know. It, it it it's about ghosts. So I was already like, uh, fuck this. I'm not ghosts. Don't scare me at all. But there's this underlying element of like grief. It's really about like her dealing with the grief of her husband who it's passed away. It's a better Baba Duke. But not. Really uh, the I don't same. even know if it's a better Babadook. In some ways, <laughs> it's better. It like the scares more. were actually a little more creative in how they were presented. Mm-hmm. There's a lot like use of mirrors and like whip pans that were cool. But the story itself is kind of like whatever. I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, but me. I'll be reviewing it in full on my channel later. Oh, okay. I don't know if people know this, but this was the first time we met in person. Yeah, that was yeah, fun. What were your thoughts. <laughs> my thoughts <laughs> what am i like ralph uh, you're the same as you are here oh i feel like it was just it was nice <laughs> to see you in person but it's not like meeting someone yeah it was nice back at you <laughs> thank you then there, what about zola zola was like it was one it of was like meh. the big standouts of the festival that's one everyone was talking about it was all right yeah it, it had a personality but it was kind of repetitive mm-hmm. a little bit I liked Riley K. Owen. What's that one about? It's a movie based off of a 148-tweet-long char- 100, 148 Twitter thread that went viral back in, like, 2015 or something about yeah, right. a waitress from D- Detroit who goes on a road trip to Florida with a stripper, and then some crazy things happen. Okay, so quite wacky. Kind yeah, of, wacky. Yeah. It gets a little dark. It's got a good personality to it. It mostly stays with the comedic tone, yeah. I liked how the movie has no rules, almost. It just does whatever it wants, <laughs> and it has like a very free-flowing nature, which maybe that's why it was repetitive, but I did like that element of it. There's mm-hmm. like narration that comes in and out. There's a 
really creative like cinematography and editing choices it it switches perspectives for like five minutes and goes to riley ko's character and her like reddit thread that her character wrote in real life which was fun yeah um but overall i wasn't i wasn't 100 percent with it yeah it could have been a little better and then that's all that ralph saw and I saw yeah, a, a few more after that. <laughs> but I heard channel. Minari was great, right? And it you was saw probably that. the best one I saw that I hadn't already seen before. Mm-hmm. It was the best one I saw that premiered at Sundance. I'll review it on my channel. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not gonna get into it too much here. It was. It was good. It was. It was solid. There were a lot of things going for it. <laughs> and then Ralph. Leave it vague. Had to go and visit Wuhan, and then. Move back to New York. Well, I had to treat the patients in China with mm. coronavirus. It was a dire emergency, so sorry about that. <laughs> You're the only one that could do it. Mm-hmm. That was the only one. The rest of the doctors were sick. <laughs> so Alex finally saw Uncut Gems. Yeah. On Netflix, yeah. right? It was finally available, made available in the UK. Because um, we get everything late over here. And yeah, if you're in the UK, Uncut Gems is on Netflix now, and it's definitely worth a watch. Um, I feel like I can finally be part of the conversation. Did you see it in theaters or on Netflix? Uh, On Netflix. Oh. It never got a theatrical yeah. release in the UK? It's not around where I was. Shit. That sucks. Yeah, we don't get the best coverage here. I'm always complaining about it, but... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, it's the... It's the one that A24 was spending all of their money on for the Oscars. You'd think that at least... Yeah, it was kind of a hit. Of a it was like a huge release. hit in the States. Yeah. I didn't think they were expecting it to be as big of a hit as it was. They were really banking on, like, Midsommar or some horror movie to do really well. And this kind of came out of nowhere. They they pumped a lot of advertising dollars into it. I think they helped make it yeah. a hit, honestly. They sure. spent a lot of money but on it. I think people ads. really connected with this one. And maybe the Adam Sandler bit is what got people on board, too. Yeah, There was course. a lot of, like, buzz for him to get Oscar noms. Of course he didn't, because I don't think they take him, like, I don't think they take him seriously, which is a shame, because mm -hmm. I think he's a good actor. I think the Academy great. just hates the Safdie brothers. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Why would they I think if they, I, I think if it were different directors, then it would be fine. Not necessarily, mm -hmm. like, oh, grudge against them personally, but I, I think against, like, their tone and the type of films that they try to communicate. I think they yeah, just do, are so. not a fan of this like anxiety type movie. It's not it's not something that the academy wants to see, I guess. Yeah, what'd you think, Alex? Honestly, at first I wasn't quite sure cuz everyone's talking about how um it is like very anxiety inducing and it's all it's all about chaos, like chaotic is the word I'd use to describe it. And at first the the story is kind of setting up all these what seem like disparate strands that are all uh, going in their own direction. Is the first strand types film? <laughs> the first strand type <laughs> film, yeah. But yeah, at first I was finding it a little bit overwhelming and wondering where it was going, but there was a certain point in the movie where it, it all clicked for me, and I was like, oh, okay, so it was all just kind of elaborate setup for the ultimate payoff that, as the the full circle of the story kind of comes back round, and you start getting all the payoffs um, in the very intense uh, kind of finale. Mm -hmm. And I think I like it more than Good Time, personally, because I think... I, I just love the, the, the character Adam Sandler played. I, I love these kind of greedy, incredibly flawed characters. Um, he was really interesting. That, yeah, but he was very like uh, expressive and over the top um, in a way that that kind of Adam Sandler flair uh, I thought really worked. Um, mm -hmm. he, he was 
fairly realistic in terms of that that type of person you know the sort of flamboyant like store gem store owner you'd expect him to be and it is just it, it is intense and it is stressful in in all the best ways possible um for the, this kind of movie and yeah i, I just loved it mm-hmm. he's also got like a kind of a gambling addiction he almost can't help himself getting himself yeah, in trouble which is how like he got there in the first place um i wasn't getting that anxiety that i think everyone else got from the movie maybe the last 15 minutes or so i got it but it wasn't like good time where the whole movie was like him running around fucking mm-hmm. doing crazy stuff it was it was more of like a sad character piece about this guy who's like gotten himself into this horrible situation yeah exactly because he can't help himself you know? yeah the stress aspect just comes from you following this character who keeps making th- these decisions that have you screaming like at the screen <laughs> what are you it. doing yeah. you just had your out just stop please and that's the ultimate point of the story isn't it about yeah. just mm-hmm. endless greed and un- you know untapped greed and how it'll always come around and bite you yeah you know, those kinds of stories are eternal double or nothing you know he he constantly needs to get his high from from winning. He mm-hmm. always thinks yeah. he can just do it again sort of thing. I think that that's ultimately what the story is about or what the character is about. Do we want to talk about spoilers? I kind of do. A little bit? I kind of do. Spoiler yeah. warning, everybody. <laughs> yeah, let's go into it. Because uh, I think by the end of the movie, I forget who made this comment, but it's one that kind of resonated with me. They they were saying that uh, at the end of the film, when he gets shot in the face, it is actually kind Damn. of a happy ending <laughs> for him. Yeah, because... I was going to say that. It's very bittersweet because it's like a victory. It's yeah. like he had this last victory he, before he, he went away. He never came down from his high. He won and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. lights out sort of thing, whereas like because of his character and because he's a gambling addict like he would have just kept going after that point yeah but it would have been the shot in the cycle face. and he would have made his life worse yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of a weird happy ending for the character in a way which i find interesting it was a very fitting ending to the film and the themes of it it was it was perfect but it was unexpected at the same time oh yeah, yeah very like it was shocking the whole the whole theater i wish you saw it in the theater alex because the whole theater went holy shit like we were oh, fucking yeah. mortified. Well, we, yeah. we don't emote, yeah, One guy had his like theater. hands up in the air, and he didn't put him down until the credits. Basically, <laughs> it was That's it was awesome. nuts. But yeah, it's not that often where the main character of the movie gets shot in the fucking head like that. Yeah. <laughs> but it makes sense too. That's a great point about the uh, addiction kind of aspect because I almost wasn't even really thinking about it like that. I was just yes, he's kind of a, a selfish kind of you know store owner. I wasn't even thinking about it in terms of that. But you're completely right. It is about his helpless addiction to this this cause, which just keeps getting him in more and more trouble, and it just mm-hmm. he can't outrun it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and other characters too, like the basketball player, who's a real basketball player. I forgot his name, um, but he has the gem, but which he's addicted to. He needs to have the gem to play well, even mm-hmm. though it's just like some rock. It, it probably doesn't help him at all. But in the context of the story, he needs it. That was another um, interesting aspect was how they did bring in elements of, you know, real world stuff like the basketball player, like um, was like the an pop star in that's in it. Um, yeah, Weekend. The pop star too. Yeah, Weekend's in it. And it, yeah, it kind of Canadian. makes it, yeah, it makes it that feel that much more kind of realistic and tangible and, mm-hmm. you know, it makes the world that much more kind of immersive. Yeah. And Adam Sandler blends in with them. And also they have all these non-actors or people that look like they're off the street. Mm. Like the girl who plays his girlfriend is just like a first time actor, I think. 
and she was great too. It all blends together really well. Everything feels part of the world they made. It's mm-hmm. it's such a great movie. It's a shame it got no attention from any like. Uh, I mean, the it got attention, anyway. yeah, just not Academy yeah. attention. Well, yeah, but Fucking awards attention. Have there been boomers. stories? It, of, I think of it deserves Adam Sandler more. fans going to see it and being disappointed because it's not. Oh, a, of course. You know, typical Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> It's yeah. not grown-ups, too. Yeah, yeah. I, you can find these stories on, like, IMDb or Letterboxd, pretty sure. Just sort <laughs> sort by the negative reviews. Oh, yeah. I'm just glad there's now more than one film we can point at to say, look, there's a really good Adam Sandler performance. Now you can actually argue about the two that there are. <laughs> well, Meyerowitz stories, too. Have you seen that? Okay, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got three. <laughs> but he's got talent. There's no denying that. And now he's signed another deal with uh, Netflix. They want like three more movies from him. So he kept his promise. Four, yeah. He didn't get nominated. So now he's going back to doing shitty Kevin James movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that comment he made. <laughs> <laughs> Saying if he wasn't going <laughs> to, if he wasn't nominated, he'd purposefully make the worst film he could it's, it's a funny <laughs> I want to see that now. bit of self-awareness because you'd almost expect someone who's making the caliber of adam sandler type films to defend them and to not think they're exactly. bad but he's like yeah they're shit i'm gonna make more of them why should i yeah. try if you're not even gonna give me an oscar well, nomination he knows what they are they're, they're comedies like made for a certain audience yeah. and they're stupid but they're not no. i don't i don't find them that insulting some of them i do like that's my boy Jack and Jill. But <laughs> yeah, recently I've come he's around on him a little like, bit. Whatever. I respect yeah. him way more um, now. I've kind of seen what he's capable of in terms of like a performance, like mm-hmm. compared to <laughs> the way he was standing in my mind a few years ago. Yeah, he was only pretending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like how much can you really criticize someone for just? being really successful in an industry and knowing what he's doing is like, yeah, it's yeah. kind of garbage, but you know what? I'm making a lot of money from it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, Come your like comedies make $150 million? What's wrong with you? Why do you keep doing them? It's like, it's because they're really he successful. subsidize his vacation. Getting paid to go on holiday. He's yeah. just like, yeah. let's do a movie in Hawaii. <laughs> I'll bring my whole family. Let's do a movie we'll go on, a boat. on vacation, and the, <laughs> yeah. the producers and All Netflix will and pay family. for my vacation, and maybe we'll do a little bit of acting while we're there what a gig <laughs> acting and they yeah. can get like he can get all these beautiful women to come like kate upton and jennifer aniston that just be yeah, on it's like set, a big fucking party a bunch of and lines. then they just film a bit of it yeah that's what it is and it's a movie i guess uh-huh but when adam sandler wants to make like a real movie like this it, it's so good and then there was um the safety brothers made a short film too with him oh yeah i haven't seen gold that man yet. versus silver man and oh, they yeah, shot that, that like in Times square it was so good and they're playing like these two mime characters arguing over a spot in Times Square. So I like that he's doing weird stuff like this too. Yeah, it's very interesting. I wonder how much they had to pay him to be in the movie. Yeah, that's a good point. Because they were trying to get this movie made he like be 10 years ago or some shit. Yeah, I should look. And they gave the script to Adam Sandler. He's like, no, I don't know who you are. And then the Safdie brothers made Good Time or whatever. And then A24 helped him out. And then finally it happened. But when they wrote this script, they were like, Adam Sandler or nobody else. They literally wouldn't make the movie without him, so. Wow. <laughs> That's risky. Yeah. It worked out really well. The Safety brothers are, like, blowing up, which is crazy. Yeah, absolutely. They're very up and coming. I'm sure we haven't seen the best of them yet. 
There's a huge amount of up and coming filmmakers right now. There's like a big generation of them. There's the Safdie brothers. There's Trey Edward Schultz. There's like Jim Cummings. It's like the A24 crowd. Yeah. yeah. Um, Robert Eggers. Yeah. Yeah. Bunch of new directors that are doing fun things that I want to keep up with. Seems like there's always stuff to watch. I mean, not like there hasn't been any other year, but a lot of new and exciting things just because it's easier to make yeah. a movie now than ever. So more people are doing it. Yeah, absolutely. You have anything else <clears throat> to say about Uncut Gems? Those are my top level thoughts for now. It's definitely a film I want to see again, but it's it's essential viewing for, for as far as films from 2019 go, especially for that Adam Sandler uh, character and performance. It, he anchors it and carries it and all the praise is worthwhile and justified. Yeah, it's very fun and upbeat. But also sad as well. There's a lot going on. It is fairly overwhelming um, at first. It's like a but... tragic comedy, almost. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah, an interesting he's, tone. Yeah. He's such an over-the-top kind of person in the movie that he is kind of inherently funny because he's got... Adam Sandler's mm -hmm. got charisma. He can play that kind of loud, like, cocky character really well. Yeah. Yeah. But he takes it takes place in this very dark world, so he gets like punched in the face for acting that way, and you're like, oh yeah, damn. yeah, it's not that's not funny. Locked in the trunk of cars and whatnot. Yes. Yeah. What I find hilarious about this, and I I pointed this out in my quickie I made back in September or whatever. In any other movie, you could take these scenes of Adam Sandler getting hurt, and just like the way it's presented, like add a different sound <laughs> yeah. effect, and it would be like done for laughs but in this movie it's not when he gets <laughs> yeah. punched in the nose you yeah, hear this not. this like horrifying sound effect where it's like holy shit like that's brutal like it got you broke his fucking nose sort of thing whereas like any other mm -hmm. movie that adam sandler's been in if he gets punched in the face it's like haha <laughs> he dumb he fall <laughs> yeah <he's>, yeah <laughs> clap <laughs> he does get beat up a lot in uncut gems <laughs> <laughs> well it's because i really even though he's a total asshole like i really started to relate to him and feel bad for him almost because mm -hmm. he was so desperate in that situation and i was kind of rooting for him at the end so i don't know i didn't enjoy laughing at him as much as i was kind of rooting for him mm -hmm. even though he's a piece of shit <laughs> agreed what would you give it I'm, I'm torn between a four star four and a half star either way it's it's very good um, very high ratings from me probably it probably will be four and a half on upon rewatch i'd say four and a half just because it stuck with me. But on first watch, yeah, it was like yeah. a four. Like when I first saw it, I mean. Yeah, okay. I'm giving it an eight for now, and I've only seen it once. And we'll see what happens the second time. It's on Netflix. Yeah, it'll be on Netflix soon. It already is. In the, in the U.S. Oh, it's not in the U.S. yet? <laughs> I don't think so. I think next month. Yeah. Or actually this month. It's just later. Yeah. Oh, weird. It's so cool, though. We're getting movies like that, like that just put on Netflix. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a great <laughs> yeah. time to be a fan of movies like this. Mm -hmm. uh, we could talk like a tiny bit about the Oscars if we wanted to. This episode won't be out until after the Oscars are already have already happened. Because <laughs> we recorded the yeah, previous episode super over. early because we were Ralph and I were at Sundance and doing other shit. So uh, we kind of missed the opportunity to do like a full discussion on uh, Oscar nominations, but. Anything you felt was truly snubbed? Obviously, Uncut Gems, Adam Sandler, and... Yeah, I'd say Uncut Gems is the biggest snub. But they snub yeah. a lot of A24 stuff, and it pisses me off. Well, <laughs> it seems like A24 
put all their eggs in one basket with uncut gems, and then the Academy just didn't fucking like it. I don't think it. they have enough money to do anything but. I think they got to put their all their eggs in one movie because they don't have enough money to, like, campaign. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, Warner Brothers can campaign a shit ton because they got tons of money, even if they have a few movies. Did you see Did you see Disney's For sucks. Your Consideration campaign for The Lion King? <laughs> it's on their website. <laughs> it's did, fucking yeah. insane. Did, did you see Travolta's campaign for fucking The Fanatic? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was completely, real or not. No, it is real. Trying it's to like get, on his website. Playing, it's it is completely real. unironic. It's playing it's for weird. fucking moose. That's awesome. Jesus. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. Disney for The Lion King, they, they pushed for like every single category except animated feature. So they only wound up getting nominated <laughs> for special effects, which is good, I guess. But yeah, they good. seriously they not just year. pushed for best picture, but they were trying to get best actor nominations for... <laughs> Donald Glover and Beyonce, which is like, first of all, voice acting. Second, Beyonce fucking sucked, right? (laughs) It wasn't a good performance. This has never happened before in the Academy ever. Like, I don't think there's been a single time where a voice actor has gotten nominated for best performance. And yet, if you go and search Google right now, Disney for your consideration, The Lion King 2019, you'll find... (laughs) their campaign and they were pushing for all of these things literally every single supporting actor that was in the film including eric andre just for a role as a hyena <laughs> they were they were pushing for supporting actor nominations that's so ballsy that's insane they're like you love us academy we know you do we can do this it's it's absolutely insane could that's you imagine the best supporting actor nomination for eric andre for the lion king and seth rogan and john yeah. oliver yeah it's, they're john all oliver there didn't it's like they, they didn't give a shit they're like this oh movie God. made billions of dollars so why not that means it's good right god that's embarrassing i can't believe it i have some of the nominations here if you want me to read them sure if you want should we start with like best picture or like go to like actor or whatever well, the animated movie. Let's start with that, actually. Because oh, we yeah. got How to Train Your Dragon. Um, mm-hmm. I Lost My Body, which is a Netflix movie. Claws on Netflix. Missing Link. And Toy Story 4. So I have now seen all of them Disney's except How there. to Train Your Dragon, which I don't think I will. Yeah, the only one I haven't seen is I Lost My Body. And I, I assume... I've seen... Yeah. I assume that's probably the best one from, from that list, anyway. I would say it's the best one I'd like to see that it. I've seen out of the nominations. I've seen some of Klaus. Klaus was really well animated. I don't know about the story because I didn't watch the whole thing, but it looked beautiful. I couldn't believe it was actually 2D. Yeah, it's mm. gorgeous. Yeah. 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 I, I enjoyed Toy Story the first half of Klaus, and then the second <laughs> half got kind of lame for me. But Oh, really? Well, <laughs> the half I didn't see. It has some strange <laughs> moments in it. Yeah. yeah. It was cute okay. I mean. overall. It's yeah, fairly familiar sort of animated movie story, but... yeah. Yeah. Very unique uh, style. I really to... just appreciated the look of it. Yeah. It yeah. Great. Missing Link had great animation. Yeah, mm-hmm. those guys always stop do motion. Good. Just yeah. the story Coraline was eh. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, they're on a run of doing those kinds of movies. Just they're, they're beautiful in terms of the animation, but there's just nothing memorable about them. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Are they called Laika? Is that what they're called? They, yeah, they've just got a string remember. of them ever since. Yeah, Coraline, I think, was the last one that was quite good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Depending on what you thought of Kubo, right? Is that the same people? Oh, yeah, and Kubo, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah, I wasn't Kubo. that crazy about Kubo, but... Yeah, not a great year for animated movies. I don't know. No, not at least the, from this list here. 
Who do you think stands the highest chance? I'm amazed Frozen 2 wasn't in there, considering the Disney bias. But... <laughs> I'm I'm assuming Toy Story 4 will win, but I have no idea, honestly. You think so? You're probably right. I mean, people liked it. <laughs> I don't think Toy Story. No, I don't think they're going to pick know, that. I don't know, man. I feel like we have to forget about like what we personally like out of the list and <laughs> try and put our minds into <laughs> I don't how think they're they going to give it to Disney, though. I don't think they're going to do it. I think they'll give it to Missing Link or Klaus. Yeah, maybe. It's possible. Mm. You never Missing know. Link won for Golden Globe, I think. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's matter. not good. Yeah, it's not a good predictor. You're right. Original score. There's The Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Those are the scores. Hmm. That's actually hard, because I, I can't say I liked any of those. <laughs> yeah, I'm not passionate about you know? any of these, honestly. I liked the score for Marriage Story. That's the only one that yeah, I found. Yeah, I did too, but I wouldn't, like, nice. I wouldn't give it an Oscar. I know? don't remember anything yeah, about the score okay. from Joker. The score for 1917 was so inappropriately used that I can't <laughs> even tell if it was decent music, honestly. <laughs> it, it and, just and Rise of Skywalker, film. that's just like a John yeah. Williams. Just Star oh, Wars music. Because it's John Williams. Yeah, <laughs> Alexander yeah. Desplat did the Little Women. Oh, actually, score. I really liked that. I still haven't score. seen it. Yeah. yeah? Okay, okay, that's the only one I haven't seen. So yeah, I think I think he would be my pick. He's consistently doing good stuff, so that doesn't shock me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, original song. So, oh. I can't let you throw yourself away from Toy Story Four, Love Me Again from Rocket Man, I'm Standing with You, from Breakthrough. I don't even know what that is. Stand <laughs> Up from Harriet. And then Into the Unknown from Frozen 2. So Frozen 2 is here. This is in the original no, song. I have no idea. Uh, I don't... Yeah. I'm not sure what any of these Does anyone have an opinion uh, on these? I just wanted to read them off. This episode's going to be out like after the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to spend so much time speculating. Okay. Just get to the important Did categories. You want to just go to Best Picture then? Yeah. Go, okay, go, yeah, Best Director. Best Picture and Best Director or whatever. Okay, Best Director. Irishman, Martin Scorsese, uh, Joker, Todd Phillips, Ugh. 1917, Sam Mendes, Parasite, Bong Joon-ho, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is Tarantino. So those are the choices bong. for directing. Bong, yeah, baby. I, I the bong on this I'd one. say bong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Smoke that shit. I have a feeling it's going to be all about Parasite and Joker. That's what, that's what my gut's telling me. Mm. Those are going to be the two big winners in my mind. Okay. I think Bong's I win that one. would be upset at a Todd Phillips win over any of the other. <laughs> <laughs> so would I. As, the director of the Hangover. No. As <laughs> underwhelmed as I was from 1917, I would be fine with a Sam Mendes best director win. I would be not fine with a Todd Phillips one. I enjoyed Joker more than mm -hmm. I enjoyed 1917 still, but director, it was a Joaquin Phoenix movie, not a Todd Phillips movie. Yeah, exa honest. that's exactly what I was thinking. I don't think you got the movie though. Here's best picture though. Um, Ford v Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. I think Parasite should win, but my I think favorite Parasite was Once should Upon win. a Time. I hope it does. I think that's going to be my lock only just because I want to feel happy about winning if I do. And if Parasite does win and I don't pick it, then I'll be extra sad. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I think Parasite deserves it, but I I honestly wouldn't be it. shocked if um, Joker wins. I think 1917 has got a good chance picture. of winning. 1917? Yeah. It's winning a bunch of other shit. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Jojo Rabbit, 
Did you it's guys see that? Win. Yeah, I've seen it, but <laughs> I, d- I, I didn't think it would win. Yeah, uh, I was kind of underwhelmed with that one. Yeah, we'll see. Ford v Ferrari. How about that? That was like an average like biopic. Yeah, and Christian Bale was good in it, but it I wouldn't scream yeah. best picture to me. It was no, fun. It, that one hasn't really st- stood out. It was out. a little long, kind mm-hmm. of forgettable. The car stuff was good in it. Like yeah. The the race scenes and all that stuff was really impressive. Little Women, I don't. I, I still haven't seen it. <laughs> Just how <laughs> little are these women, though? Yeah. Tiny. Is it a Tiptoes Very sequel? Tiny. <laughs> it was fine. Any other interesting categories? No. Are there any other interesting <laughs> ones? Um, <laughs> I haven't seen like half of these. You want to do Best Actor? In the leading role? Oh, yeah. It's just going to be Joker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to win that one, Which honestly. Which is fine. Uh, no, that, doesn't, you know, that wouldn't annoy he me. He literally carries the whole movie. There's nothing else going on in the movie aside yeah. from him. No, so that doesn't bug I me I think he would. Yeah, if that doesn't make him deserve it, I don't know what does. So, Antonio Banderas, Leonardo DiCaprio, Adam Driver, Jonathan Price, and Joaquin Phoenix. Okay. Yeah, Joaquin. Yeah, yeah. it's almost definitely going to be him. I'd be, I'd honestly be mm-hmm. surprised. If it wasn't. I'll be excited to see him walking away with an Oscar. <laughs> That'd be two jokers that <laughs> won an Oscar then. I it's know, and Joker, how would it feel crazy. to be how would it feel to be what's his face? Jared Leto. Just imagine being him. Oh, like in Just between the, the Oscar winners. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. He was already upset about it. This would be the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just a picture in his face. He he's the little uh pothole <laughs> in the road. He'll, he'll be damaged after this, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, get get the real tattoo. It's just so weird because he's made, he's been in movies like The Master. He's worked with like Paul Thomas Anderson, and like this is the movie that got him the Oscar and the attention. It's so weird to me because I don't think this is his best role. It's just Did seen a great by the job. most eyes, I suppose. Yeah. I think I think yeah. uh, the Academy is more likely to give you a nomination also when there's like this huge campaign around like body transformation sort of thing. And he lost a lot of weight. Yeah, that, that was pretty impressive happens, too. Right? He was talking about how he went like kind of nuts from doing all that. So yeah, yeah, it shows. I mean, yeah, it's a very intimidating performance. Mm-hmm. So let's see. In actress category, is Charlize Theron in Bombshell? I haven't seen that. That looks really bad. Renee Zellweger and <laughs> Judy. Sir, Sir Roy, I can't say her fucking Saoirse. name. The, the Irish girl. Saoirse Ronan. Little Women. <laughs> sure. Oh, <yeah. laughs> Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story, Cynthia Irvo in Harriet. Scarlett, I would say Scarlett has Johansson two different nominations. She's also in Best Supporting, which is weird mm-hmm. for Jojo Rabbit. That is quite weird. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. So That's she's so nominated weird. for Best Lead and Best Supporting at the same time. Two different movies. Huh. Yeah, she was great in Marriage Story. Yeah. Yeah. I think she should win. I'm with you, but although I'm missing a few of the other movies, she it might go to Bombshell though. Because a lot of these usually wind up going to like biopic, kind of like, oh, you really did a great job performing that person, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, I think she plays Megan Kelly. Yeah, I'd be interested in seeing it just for the performance. I might check it out before the Oscars happen. So, Florence yeah, we'll Pugh see. is nominated. Yeah, for supporting for Little, Little women. women. Although I think her performance was better in Midsummer, but still got a nomination. <laughs> yeah, I agree, but they're not going to nominate that. You agree? You haven't even seen Little Women yet. <laughs> How do you know? I just love Midsummer so much. I know it's not going to top that. Horror movies don't count, remember? <laughs> yeah, they don't count as movies. Uh, but for actress in supporting category, there's Kathy Bates also for Richard Jewell. That was a big bomb. Lord Dern in Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson, Jojo Rabbit, and then Margot Robbie in Bombshell. 
I'd probably just give it to Florence Pugh for uh, Midsommar, even though I think <laughs> they the would movie. want to. <laughs> I think she's like enough of an up and coming kind of person that the Academy is like, I like you, sort of thing. That happens sometimes. Yeah, that they just give it to her. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's either going to sure. go to her or like Laura yeah. Dern, probably. But mm-hmm. who knows? Actor in a supporting role. Uh, Al Pacino in Irishman. Joe Pesci in Irishman. Brad Pitt in the Hollywood movie. Anthony Hopkins in Two Popes. And Tom Hanks in the... the What the hell's that guy's name? A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Mr. I didn't know Rogers. he was supporting. I thought he yeah, was the main character. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah. I haven't Rogers seen the movie just... yet, but the people who have seen it is, are like, that's not even the main character. <laughs> it's about some other guy <laughs> and the advertising it. and the marketing <laughs> just lied to people. No, <laughs> that's yeah. funny. I, uh, I had a chance to see it at TIFF, I and I just decided not to, because I was not a fan of Can You Ever Forgive Me, and I knew it was the same director. I was like, she does not oh, seem like yeah. she has uh-huh. promising talents. So, Who did you have your vote for on that one? Sorry, Ralph. Joe Pesci, my boy. The Pesci theory. <laughs> Joe Pidgey. Okay. Some good picks there. I mean, I, I, I like Al Pacino, I think, actually, from that, that list. Yeah, he was really good. It's Jimmy Hoffa. Mm-hmm. And that's the Oscars. Yeah, and they've already happened, oh, I guess. When this yeah, episode comments is will be yeah. full, full of people just being about like, they're so boring. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't looked at them until today. Yeah, like, I hadn't looked I'm, at I'm them. not going to watch them. I don't even know when they're on. So <laughs> I'll be doing my live stream. I'll look at the results like two days after on Google when people tell me like, oh, the, the Oscars happened. Oh, Joker yeah, won happened. all 11 <laughs> nominations. Oh, cool. Congrats. You'll get messages about that, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So there was a movie that was recommended by me in this film. Magical. It's called Wizards. And <laughs> the year, what was the year? <laughs> Wizards. 1977. Yeah. Seven. Okay, sorry. I didn't hear you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Wizards 1977, directed by Ralph Bakshi. And I (laughs) guess I should describe it. It is a film where uh, this crazy man who is a (laughs) animation rebel named Ralph Bakshi decided he would like to prove that he could make a family movie and I guess the standards for what was considered a family movie were different in the 70s because there's a lot of violence and a lot of like weird sexual stuff kind of too and language yeah it's uh I would consider it pretty adult honestly but this is Ralph Bakshi's version of a movie for kids not even kidding and it's it's about two brothers and One's evil and one's bad. So, like, you got the <laughs> Saruman and you got Gandalf, who's pretty much the Hobbit man who never wears shoes and he's a wizard. And he likes to, there, there's technology and they banish technology because to, the technology was bad and there was a war. And I guess, spoiler warning for everybody. Uh, you should watch the movie. There was like big war, like like nukes, and so there there's a bunch of uh, mutants, I guess, from the nukes, and then Saruman <laughs> brings up mm-hmm. fi- finds all this old technology in these 
film reels of Hitler and inspires his army from Hitler to kill the good what? elves. <laughs> oh my god. I didn't like this movie. Sorry? Like, can I start with that? <laughs> I didn't like this movie. Yeah. I I, no. I enjoyed it, but it definitely had sort of B movie elements mm-hmm. to me that were definitely dated. I thought. Okay. Because mm. Ralph Bakshi is kind of he's kind of a legend in the animation world. I think he most is. people probably know him from that Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. series. It's very famous. And Cool World. And Fritz <laughs> and the Cat. Cool <laughs> yeah, Fritz the Cat. So, like, I looked up a lot about him. Mm-hmm. After the fact, and I have a lot of respect for him and his impact on like adult animation. And he actually made like more mature stuff, unlike Sausage Party or like Family Guy or shit that's like touted as adult animation now. <laughs> like yeah. Fritz the Cat was like, I think it was the first X-rated like animated movie. Yeah, it was, and it was also his like directorial debut. It was like his first movie too. Yeah, that's fucking ballsy. They had, like, less production value than, like, Disney, but they made up for it in, like, the thematic subject matter and, like, what they were exploring, that it was more mature and made for adults, and it wasn't juvenile with humor or anything. It's, like, one of the most successful independent animated movies ever, because they used that to their advantage. They were like, oh, we got an X rating. We're going to put it on the poster. Fritz the Cat, his directorial debut. Oh, Fritz. Yeah, Fritz the Cat. It was literally, they just had it as the tagline, he's X-rated and animated. (laughs) People were like, oh, mm-hmm. what's this? Because, yeah, that would have been especially out there in the 70s. Oh, yeah. That we forget, like, attitudes are, were very much different back then. Yeah. I love the guy. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of his stuff, but the more I look up about him, the more I really admire who he is. And I, I, I honestly, yeah. I don't know. I've seen this movie, Wizards, like, three times now. The last two times, I've really thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, it's not like a masterpiece or anything, obviously. And you do kind of have to get past some of the, like, reused animation cells and, you know, budgetary sort of things that appear in this movie. Yeah. But honestly, like, I don't know. I I love a lot of the character design is really great. Uh, The music is fantastic. The tone is really great. It's very bizarre and weird. Like, I love movies that offer an an experience that I'm not going to get anywhere else. Yeah, honestly, I, I... I don't I don't feel negatively about this film very much. And it's also like yeah. pretty short too. It's not like a huge commitment. Yeah, it is short too. I wasn't getting much out of the actual story though. Like the the fact that it is more mature I was able to forgive like some of the animation maybe, except the story that was actually being told, I didn't think it was that interesting. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't think anything about the movie was that interesting Uh, and i like the actual animation i think is really inconsistent because of those budgetary restraints they're using like live action footage and they're like animating over real footage and i thought it was kind of messy there's some parts i thought the movie were it was just ugly to look at and Mm -hmm. there's like so much exposition and there's so much about this world that you have to understand and and go along with and it for me anyway it felt like kind of a bad fan fiction so I really wasn't on board with, with it. Uh, so I, I really didn't like anything about it. I thought it was like hard Nothing. to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing about I, it. I, I agree that it was very, it's very conceptual and kind of rough is the word I'd use to describe it. Like yeah, it, it's very it is, rough. It's it is like long, age, yeah. looks a bit unfinished, but it does have a, a certain charm and style to it to me. Like Adam 
reference the character designs and that uh, I'd heard of this movie before um, uh, Adam recommended it um, and, and I remember that poster quite vividly because of the the strange animal the uh, robot was it sort of like a bounty hunter type character um, called Peace <clears throat> we'll get onto those names in a minute but the the designs themselves I thought were were, were quite interesting, but the, my issue is the the consistency just in terms of like the the world I th- I found was quite strange. Like the uh-huh. the story is anchored around a kind of fantasy slash sci fi thing at the same yeah. time, which is already quite an interesting concept. I, I haven't seen explored that much. And very aside new from, at the time too. Yeah, exactly. But, but And while designs like that kind of bounty hunter character I thought worked really well, when you have a, a main character that's like a tiny little wizard with like a green beard and a bright red nose going up against yeah. like a... <laughs> It's it's very strange when you st- especially start putting in the, the war sequences where you have these little elves fighting these like demons that are dressed up like nazi soldiers and stuff like that it's it's very it is very odd in terms of that kind of stuff um and very simplistic and corny and a lot of the humor and stuff like that really doesn't work for me because it is aiming for a younger crowd and i think that's kind of obvious to me even if it was a bit more edgy for the time with all the it's just like inconsistent to me like you have a scene where they are uh, winning wars by using footage from like propaganda footage from world war Two, and then you have a scene where like a wizard's hitting on like a fairy <laughs> and wants to fuck the fairy <laughs> yeah. it's quite strange very, very, i wasn't on very board with the propaganda footage yeah <laughs> i thought it was yeah, like a little the, too on the nose the, the reason it bugged me was because like the the story is clearly already very similar to something like lord of the rings but what makes Lord of the Rings so special is that it is it, it masks that World War Two commentary underneath a fantastical story so young people can get involved in the world and adults get more out of it yeah. by you know reading into it more and it takes all the kind of subtlety away from the story when it's, it's literally like a post-apocalyptic earth where fairies and wizards exist as well as ancient artifacts of like World War Two that they use to it is very strange from that kind of level and it seems more just like let's try a bit of this and let's see if that sticks and let's put that there it's very like loose animation-y creative-y kind of let's just put it all up and see what sticks kind yeah. of stuff yeah I mean like that's like part of why loose. I like it it kind though. of felt for me anyway it felt it's unfinished it's very experimental yeah it's certainly very experimental I definitely appreciate it but I didn't enjoy it at all <laughs> that being said yeah because then you go into the the characters and things like that that all the, uh, I, I don't think the performances are particularly good in terms of the voice acting, no. um, and because the dialogue so as well is not is even very... Mark Hamill. Oh, I didn't even notice Mark who Hamill. He was, uh, he, he was a fairy <laughs> that got shot immediately. Oh. He was the guy who played Sean. <laughs> oh wow, I didn't even notice or know that. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah. no, 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 no one stood out. Um, although what did stand out was. Some some of the use of language that we teased at earlier, because it because you do have these really family friendly scenes with like little fairies and it's all very cutesy and like flowers growing with magic, and then you have like <laughs> one of the final lines that the main character says in the movie is, "I'm glad you changed your last name, you son of a bitch." And he pulls out a gun and fucking kills the, I love the bad it. guy by shooting him. It's the best. It's ending. hilarious. It's so good. 
<laughs> I was like so shocked by it. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, it's I thought this nowhere. was like a. <laughs> It, it does make the message somewhat confusing because he's he's built up as this like peaceful. <laughs> I'm going to stop the, the this conflict by being the peaceful like magician, and then he whips out a piece and kills the bad guy, his own brother, <laughs> and calls him a son of a bitch. Yeah, that's <laughs> the best like, fucking ending. Movie. I love it. It's, it's just very so funny. Out there. I'm just not sure. Yeah, is it is it intentionally supposed to be breaking the expectation there, do you think? Probably. I think it's supposed to be a little shocking in a way. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it was supposed to be, like, predictable. I think it was supposed to be like, holy shit. It is a weird way to end it, yeah. and that's why I love it. It's just, just like, you don't see that coming. <laughs> I, I, it, I, I love the idea of putting on a movie about, like science fiction wizards and shit like that and then all of a sudden like real world war ii footage of hitler shows up and like yeah. I, I love the the mix of like this animation with that it's it's a movie that i can chew on in terms of like visuals like things are always kind of like weird and interesting and you got these like real i guess live action clouds and stuff appearing as like backgrounds and like it's just it's just a fun trippy movie for me. The sort of uh, establishing like wide shots I thought were some of my favorite just in terms of the detail of the of the artwork. I thought was very impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of um some of that was cool. It, it is all very loose cool. and look a lot of it does look like concept art but that is it's neat. It's neat to look at. It's it's fun to watch and they have these they have these sequences which are clearly in there for budgetary reasons where it is almost like watching a storyboard with narration um which I, I i don't mind really in premise but it was just i didn't think the the what the narration was saying or the performance of the narration was particularly good to really back up the visuals that much but it's more of a pet peeve because of the budget really i liked the i liked the voice for the uh narration for for like the exposition i thought that she was fitting you didn't yeah, like her it was okay uh it, I don't know. It, it was just this, the mix of all these different elements that was really stopping me kind of getting involved in, in the world or treating it as if it, you know, had a sort of power behind it beyond it just being like a silly cartoon. Where, whereas mm-hmm. I contrast that with a film we've talked about before, which which I was consistently reminded of, that being Fantastic Planet. Kind of mm-hmm. similar themes loosely, you know, about kind of oppression on like a vague sense. But I think Fantastic Planet's a lot, a lot better actually in in how it handles its its not only its world but its kind of consistency with it, with the way it presents yeah. its story all the way along. Um, and yeah, Wizards the animation has, and the tone. Yeah, like the animation is is better in Fantastic Planet, and the the, yeah. the kind of world is more interesting, and the kind of vibe and atmosphere is a lot more consistent there i didn't feel like it was trying too hard with like because i feel like the whole gimmick of this is that it is a little more mature and it's violent and psychedelic and has nazi footage but fantastic planet it wasn't like selling the movie on those things it was just a mature movie about that subject matter about like oppressive governments and slavery and those Mm -hmm. kinds of things and it was just a good movie about that yeah, Fantastic Planet feels timeless, whereas Wizards feels very yeah. much of the time. I felt like there was a lot to delve into with that one, and here it felt kind of surface level for me. And and that animation quality really didn't help for me, because I enjoy like the worlds of these films, and that's partly why I get invested in these animated things. And seeing like live-action footage in it, and like just 
footage where they animated on top of real footage. It, it took me out lots of it. Lots of rotoscoping and that sort of Yeah, lots of, that's thing. what it's called, rotoscoping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the rotoscoping was wound up being done for budgetary reasons. Like, they almost weren't able to finish yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. And that, it comes across like that. Like um, It does. It just it, felt like scenes were missing, too, or shots were missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I can't point to, like, a specific is... example, but, yeah, the transitions weren't the best. The uh, In my mind, I'm seeing the kind of the war sequences with the, the marching kind of sides. Mm-hmm. That, that, to me, was one of the more confusing uh, sequences just because they did have to use it for budgetary reasons. So as a result, it makes the kind of visual expression kind of muddy because you're like, what the, what's going on? Like, I don't really have a, a good idea of the kind of space that's being <laughs> moved through because it is just so many different styles or mm-hmm. clashing at the moment. Yeah, I, I when when I talk about my enjoyment for this film, it is like partially ironic in a way, you you could say. But I, I yeah. do I like I really love this as just like a really weird, out there, unique experience that you're not gonna get somewhere else. I love it as this, you know, kind of rebellious, low budget, <laughs> see what the fuck we mm-hmm. can do with animation sort of movie. And I, I think the director is a really, really interesting character, and I'm excited to see more of his stuff, honestly. Agreed. He got a job animating. The How how he started animating. I watched... Uh, there was this featurette on the Blu-ray of, um, of Wizards. It was really, really interesting. Basically, he had a job coloring cells at, at a company called Terry Toons, and he was like, no, I want to animate. But he was literally just like, that was his job, was coloring cells. And it was really unheard of for someone without much experience in animation to just hop on animation and start doing it. You know, you had to get like a 10-year apprenticeship or whatever. And then, you know, maybe they would let you sort of thing. And so uh, (laughs) apparently every lunch break, people would just be like out playing poker or some shit. And so during lunch... He just moved his desk downstairs to the animator's floor and and convinced everyone that he was supposed to be there. And and two weeks go by snuck in. before the production manager is like, hey, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be coloring cells. He's like, well, I'm already animating. Check out what I did. And then <laughs> that's how he got started. And apparently a bunch of other people in the company uh, wound up being promoted because of that because he proved that you didn't need this whole 10-year apprenticeship sort of thing you know if people were ready they were ready and some weren't but yeah you wound up being considered like a hero in the company for that little bit just because a lot of people wound up that's uh, really cool getting to uh, the animation department because of him and uh another really hilarious <laughs> thing i learned in that that featurette was uh one of the animators uh her name is Brenda Banks, she apparently animated all the the goons in the film, you know, like the enemy shots or whatever. The mutants. Yeah. And apparently, (laughs) she got the job by hitchhiking to his office and showing up and just saying, I want to animate. And and he's like, what? Who are you? And she would just keep repeating, I want to animate. (laughs) And apparently she said it like just like that. And, until he agreed and he's like well what do you want to animate she's like funny things 
He's he's like, do you have any experience? She's like, no. And then he just let her do it. And apparently it worked out. And now she like works for Warner Bros. and animates like a bunch of the newer Looney Tunes oh, wow. stuff. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like he could just get a job in the 70s doing that shit. Just showing up, being like, I'm determined. Yeah, th- I've hitchhiked my way here. I want to animate. Hire me. He can't yeah. do that anymore. That's hilarious. <laughs> no, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, I, I, I love I love Ralph Bakshi. I'm definitely going to check out more of his movies. I'm going to have to do like a marathon Yeah, or I want to see Fritz the Cat. Yeah. I think I like this. Well, I don't know. I, I, I've only seen Fritz the Cat once and it was a long time ago. I think I like this one more, but I have no idea. I'll have to watch it again. Mm. It's a very different movie. Yeah, that one takes place in like the real world almost. <laughs> yeah. Like it takes place in like a city, right? <laughs> yeah. And like the cops yeah. are actual pigs from what I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wizards was Fox's first animated movie. Oh, really? Yeah. It was originally going to be wow. called Wizard Wars or War Wizards. And then Fox got him to change the title because they were releasing Star Wars like two weeks after this. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was I was actually thinking about the the Star Wars comparison because I noticed it was the same year. And I also noticed the 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 similarities between the the stories even being heavily inspired by World War Two and having the kind of magical element and the the team that have to go on an adventure type thing. Mm-hmm. And I think there probably is a reason that um Star Wars is remembered more than Wizards, yeah, because um, it is it do, it does take um the the inspiration from you know westerns and uh, epic fantasy and that kind of stuff and combine it in a in a more I, I guess marketable way than a, the Wizards does because it is way more you can see all the inspiration a bit more clearly and overtly and it, it does lead to it clashing a little bit more I think mm-hmm. as a result. But as you say, it is is short and sweet and and quirky and charming and very very seventies, um, which is neat because of the music and the kind of old sound. Everything has like the the mics weren't the best quality and the sound yeah. effects are all really silly and yeah. over the top. Yeah, I don't know. Even despite me enjoying this like somewhat ironically, I'm still able to get into the tone. I think the soundtrack's really great. I think the music works really well, and yeah. it is very dark at points and i don't know when i see something that's especially animated in this like fantasy universe and all of a sudden the the like ostrich horse thing gets like arrowed in the fucking head i don't know i <laughs> it's so shocking yeah. to me because you never see a lot of stuff the, like, like that in animation and stuff <laughs> avatar is like really rapey and that was just <laughs> product of yeah, its really time weird. I guess. Like a, it, it's it's such a stereotype for like animators to like love animating you know voluptuous <laughs> women yeah and here we are again with another example of it like like betty boop fairy character mm-hmm. which like is always kind of being sexual basically so, yeah giant yeah. <laughs> cleavage sing yeah. us a song eleanor i don't want to but that's why we brought you <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i wasn't sure how to feel about that stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i don't know it adds to its personality again kind of like ironic yeah. enjoyment in a way Because a lot of it is just like wow that like you just couldn't release something like this in the same way especially if it's coming from a studio like oh Fox yeah or something like there's no way <laughs> <laughs> <Are you> kidding me 
<laughs> showing actual like Nazi propaganda. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, because that was the point that the movie really kind of changed in my mind. Because it's like it's fairly it's fairly basic up until that point where they start showing like. Oh my god! Like actual Nazi, like when the when the nut real Nazi flag comes down, I was like, "Oh Christ!" Like they're actually going there. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Yeah, yeah. It, apparently, they were aiming for a PG rating, and they got it. Like this, the, the MPAA rated really? this PG. <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird? You could release that the same weird. film today. I don't think it would get PG. At least PG thirteen. You would think. Yeah. Like, did yeah. they watch it? Like what? I don't understand. Maybe like, were standards, standards just were so just different, different back then? But you like, yeah. I don't know. In any other uh, genre, like in live action, usually you would think that like it would, it would be easier to get a higher rating. Like, there's so many horror films that were like rated X at the time and then got bumped down to rated R now. Yeah, you know, or they like rated NC seventeen. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Taxi Driver. They had to like color correct it slightly, like a paler red. So. It, it passed that. Yeah, it passed it's that so rate. weird. It probably was just from the name, and like the poster. <laughs> like you never think it from the poster. It looks fairly innocent, <clears throat> you know, just from the the advertising. Yeah, maybe posters. they didn't. Maybe they didn't watch it. I mean, honestly, it's the MPAA. Maybe they were like, oh, the poster's fine. Yeah, it looks like a fun probably. family movie. PG. watched the first thirty seconds, and we're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Boring. <laughs> That's how they watch the Oscar nominees too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, very clearly Lord of the Rings inspired. I I don't know if I've Absolutely. actually seen Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings thing, and I know I've seen bits of it. Yeah, I've only yeah, seen it's cool. bits. It's been a long time. I saw it when I was like thirteen or so, but I remember enjoying it. It's no Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings, but what is the only thing that I really kind of dislike about this movie, or that like irks me to the point where it's like I can't enjoy it, ironically even. Is I I was really into the character design of Peace slash Necron ninety nine or whatever, and yeah. as soon as he opens his mouth, it's like not the right voice. Should be should it's be like a confusing. deeper, more intimidating kind of voice. Just given the character design, I think. Yeah, yeah, or just some kind of filter or something, so you actually understand that you're supposed to be like a mechanical being mm-hmm. or something like that. Because it is you just. It took me a while to figure out, oh, he's supposed to be, like, not, like, a human in a costume, I guess. He's supposed yeah. to be, like, a mechanical thing. He just sounds like kind of a dope. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't really that off-put by any of the other voice acting. It was just felt like kind of a product of its time kind of thing. Weehawk's screams were fucking blood-curdling. <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> That's another thing I was like, expecting. constantly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when he's fighting that, like, yeah, weird a bit spider of thing. Humor. That was creepy. Yeah, there's there's lots of strange things like that in the movie. I always like whenever like weird animated movies um, spend a bit of time just to show off some of the, the strange scenery and, and world and that kind of stuff. It's kind of the whole fun of it to me. So and every time they do do it, it's like when it's at its best. Well, I enjoyed it more than you guys did. Whatever. I got to see it again. So <laughs> I'm happy about that. I, I, I think I like it about the same, if I'm being honest. I just oh. like... I have to because I did re- I did like it and enjoy it because it was so brief. Um, there was a section in the middle where I was like, okay, this needs to move along because it's yeah. really not keeping me that engaged. But aside from that, it 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 was it was cute. You know, it was it was quirky and weird, and I'm glad I watched it. 
So I know what rating you've given it. I think mine's the same. Okay. So, yeah. Six out of ten. Sorry, my dog's barking. <laughs> yeah, no, my, my, I'm with you. Three stars out, okay. of, out of five for me. Cool. What about you, Rolf? Uh, one out of five. Wow. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Damn, son. <laughs> Didn't enjoy it. That's fine. Like, I kept thinking maybe it's dated and, like, the budgetary restraints, but I don't know. Like, Gulliver's Travels from 1930, like, or the 30s looks looks good. That looks better than what I saw here. Mm-hmm. And, like, the Aristocats had, like, a $4 million budget, and that was made in the 70s, or 1970. So mm-hmm. I don't, like, I just, I just didn't enjoy the animation. I didn't enjoy the world of it, and it didn't make me laugh. I didn't like any of the characters either. That the mm-hmm. voice acting is pretty terrible <laughs> sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah I'd agree. D- it didn't didn't work for me. Okay, That's fair enough. Like I don't know how many people I, I could recommend it to, but I found my own warped sense of enjoyment from it. Yeah, it feels very of its time. It's cool to see like a, a psychedelic seventies yeah. like animated movie. I see. I could see like people smoking pot in the theater watching it, like they did two thousand one <laughs> or something. Yeah, like, I think that's like the experience of it. Yeah, it's a good cult movie. Exactly, yeah. It feels yeah. like if, if you grew up with it, it would be like quite nostalgic, kind of fond memory type movie from yeah. your childhood. But, mm. you know, I'm just watching it on my TV, like sober. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was fine. <laughs> should have watched it on your fucking phone. Yeah, I should have watched it on my fucking <laughs> telephone. Well, that's it. Yeah, Speaking that's it. of David Lynch, have you seen Rabbits? No, I haven't. No. Have oh, is seen... that his new one? Or... No, no. It's, the it's new one like he made is Jack. No, yeah. There's a Netflix one he made recently. Yeah. So I did see that one, actually. It's like a short, but it's also part of his feature, Inland Empire. Yeah. Which is like what, three and a half hours long or something. Yeah, he just decided <laughs> to throw long. in a bit of his web series into Inland Empire for some reason. <laughs> you can you can watch it Rabbits on YouTube. Story, I'm just curious what you guys think about it. I haven't seen it, but I did watch some of that monkey interview one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I have to watch that. I still want to watch that. I, I wanted to watch it with my family. They're like, no fucking way. <laughs> They're not Lynch Rabbits fans. Rabbits is weird too. I don't think so. They they like his more, you know, the stuff that everyone likes, the Blue Velvet and um, Mulholland Drive, Twin Peaks. But then he has the really weird stuff. Yeah, Twin Peaks people like the the, the weird stuff like Inland Empire or. I mean, I say the weird stuff. For him, that's the weird stuff. <laughs> Inland Empire and Rabbits, like, that shit's so far out there. He shot on, like, the worst consumer-grade fucking camera you could find. <laughs> like, Inland Empire. It's, like, crazy. Yeah. I think Inland Empire was my him, first David Lynch experience, I think. I think that was the first thing really? I saw from him. Yeah. Hmm. It was It was one of those... It, it was back in the day where I would just watch something if Jeremy Irons was in it. I think he was in that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's in it. Yeah. That would be Laura Dern is so good in that movie. It's a shame like people know her now from like even her character marriage stories like whatever and like the Star Wars Last Jedi, but she's like excellent in Inland Empire. She fucking like acts her heart out in that, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of improv too. She did a great job. They shot it like on the streets of L.A. Yeah. All right, question time. Yeah, let's Epic. do it. Okay, if you want to leave your own questions for us to answer on the next episode of Sardonicast head over to the Sardonicast reddit where there's a suggestion thread and you can ask us whatever you like let's start off this one from crappy mcdick who had one of the most (laughs) upvoted um, questions this time with it simply being 
What are your favorite gay movies? Whatever that means. Gay movies. That, I suppose we can interpret that however we like. Movies about gay people or with gay actors. Movies I don't know. Gay people. Just yeah. Interpret I just like it, it to be a great like. movie. Like, Call Me By Your Name is a great romance. Oh, yeah, Call Me By gay, Your Name is awesome. It's just like a really great fucking movie y yeah, about them. That's an obvious Like, pick, the gay aspect is like, okay, but it's about more than that. It's about growing up. It's about love. It's relationships. It makes Italy look great. Yeah. So, we can count lesbian movies too, right? Portrait of a Lady on Fire count. recently. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the obvious pick's Ben and Arthur, obviously. Oh, yeah. Ben and Arthur. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> that movie is very, like, liberal and progressive. I really enjoyed Weekend from 2011. That one wasn't, like, a huge hit or anything. I don't think a lot of people saw it, but, like, that was the that was one of the first instances where I saw, like, a gay romance movie, and I was like, you know what, this is actually really good. The characters were interesting, their conversations were interesting. It's, like, pretty low-budget sort of thing, but I really enjoyed that one. Yeah. Uh, Moonlight, obviously. Oh, yeah. Moonlight's great. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, better gay movies coming out, honestly, the past, like, ten years. Because <laughs> it used to just be a it bunch just of bullshit. Weird. Gay movies. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because it was just, like, Brokeback Mountain, and that was, like, the one, wasn't it, for a while? Yeah, from Ang Lee. I've never yeah, actually seen that. How, how does and everyone that called it up? the gay cowboy movie. It was actually, That's like, right, ridiculous. Yeah. Brokeback Mountain had its place in history because it was like one of the first times where a studio would be like, yeah, you know what? We're going to actually pump this shit out. We're going to advertise this. We're going to put it in theaters, you know, like gay mm -hmm. romance A-list actors. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, mm -hmm. what's his face? Joker? Heath Ledger. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen Brokeback in a while, but I remember the soundtrack being really great. The cinematography was really great. The performances were great. Um, mm -hmm. The story was decent but yeah like it's funny because it, it broke back mountain became like a bit of a meme just because it was one of the first like yeah. big oscar like gay movie sort of things a bunch of people would be like oh what you gonna go to broke back mountain to try and call someone gay or I something <laughs> yeah but no, that's one i need to actually check out yeah there's some Especially good stuff going on in it. cowboys at the moment it's director of gemini man and the good hulk movie yeah, the good Hulk movie. <laughs> yeah. The good one. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Does American Beauty count? Is that a gay movie? <laughs> some oh, yeah. gay stuff in it. Yeah. Does a Rocky There's Horror some... Picture Show count? It's more of a cult thing. Too Fast, Too Furious. Top Gun. Yeah. Really... Top Gun. <laughs> yeah. I think any Rennie Harlan movie. Death Race Two, that's a gay movie. <laughs> All right, there's some good ones there. Yeah, no, there was. Yeah, that was a good selection. Mm. Let's move on to this one then from Dylan Lacroix, who asks, "Hello, boys. Tricky one here. What are some underrated or underappreciated aspects of critically acclaimed films? For instance, I saw someone mention Aaron Eckhart's performance in The Dark Knight. Maybe lighting slash art direction of Eternal Sunshine, the Lighthouse screenplay, etc." The twins in the social network, I, I, that still blows me away. Yeah. How seamless that is. <laughs> like, how good Army Hammer is, is those two, and the, the VFX of that is so impressive. Yeah, I'd extend that entirely to just the way Fincher uses CG in general. Like, there's loads of CG yeah. in um, movies like uh, Zodiac and um, a lot of his period piece type movies. We, it's so yeah, seamless, you don't Girl. even think about it. 
yeah, Gone Girl, the Fight Club. They they all have because he comes from a visual effects background. He's so he's able to integrate it so seamlessly. You don't even think about it as an effect shot necessarily, and that's like the ultimate achievement, really. In um, yeah, visual effects. Yeah, that's a good answer. The examples given in the questions, I'm not sure I would agree with, because like I don't know. Do do people watch Eternal Sunshine and not think about the art design? Like. <laughs> Yeah, just well, means like even what we talked about, I think a lot of people appreciate Fincher's use of VFX. Like, I don't yeah. think we're yeah, a minority the minority there. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess it's it's hard. You have to think about it in terms of like, if your average person sits down and watches Zodiac, they're not going to be thinking about that. So I suppose in that sense, yeah, I guess so. Like, if you, it, it would be a fact for someone if you revealed that that's actually CG there, or this isn't, and whatnot. Like, I, I guess that's what it means. Because like with the example of Aaron Eckhart in The Dark Knight. I kind of understand with the, him kind of being overshadowed by a more kind of eccentric, memorable character it doesn't mean he he is any lesser in the movie. If you, if you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. He is just over overshadowed inherently, just because all the all the buzz is not around him. I suppose. Yeah, I don't know because when I'm thinking of like art films, usually those sorts of aspects are what. I already appreciate about them, but I guess I'm just like not really aware what what aspects stick out to the general public. Yeah, like, I I think as a general answer, just anything to do with sound, I think is largely like underappreciated because yeah. when 100%. sound is doing its job, you're not really. It's like a lot of things actually, yeah. like editing and anything technical that isn't like completely on the nose, like an obvious. I think largely can be overlooked, you know. Like there's still like when when we talk about things like the Oscars and everyone gets confused by like the difference between you know sound editing, sound mixing, like all the technical <laughs> stuff definitely gets kind of lumped and sidelined compared to you know obvious like actor performances or creative choices that are obvious to spot. Hmm, I'm not sure I have a great answer or any answer for this. I'm not. Nothing's really coming to mind. Like, take your favorite movie for example. What's a, what's an aspect of of that movie that really stands out to you that maybe you wouldn't initially sort of think about, and you've only kind of developed an appreciation for upon you know almost studying it, rewatching it, that kind of thing. I don't know, because <laughs> all of the elements work really well, and they're all like pretty apparent. Like I, I don't know, it's uh, like there's the mm. usually. In something like that, like I appreciate every element of it, but then wind up appreciating those same elements more with each watch. It's not like it's not like I didn't think about the music or the cinematography or the different environments before. Mm. It's just I like them more with each watch. So I don't know if there's like really single elements from a film I can think of that I really love that go super underappreciated. Maybe if I thought longer about this, then I would think of something, but I'm not sure. Okay. Let's do this one then from, oh, here we go. PPO67834, who, they don't include you for some reason, Adam, but I'm sure uh, you, you can answer too, because I'm sure okay. you're really passionate about this. Do you guys have any interest in seeing Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League, even if it does suck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
fuck yeah. But it's not going to happen. I haven't even seen the... Yeah, I mean, you need millions exist. of dollars to... <laughs> you got to pump millions of dollars into that to make it happen. And the only kind of people who have that kind of money is Warner Brothers. And I don't think they're going to give it to him. But I'd like yeah, to see pre- it. Presumably, they they wouldn't have finished his cut anyway, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I thought the whole... The, the production was only finished because half the film was reshot, right? That's my understanding. I could Someone else took over because his daughter died or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, there was a tragedy in his life. And so Joss Whedon took over. But Joss Whedon already beforehand was like planned to come in and do reshoots. It was already, they were already kind of easing yeah, him they out were trying of it. To get him Cause they didn't like his vision of it. The, like, what is he gonna do? Like, he's gonna have all these action scenes and stuff that he's gonna make in his new cut, but you need tons of money to render this stuff and make it look good. So you're gonna watch like this unfinished, it, it's gonna look even worse than the finished Justice League movie, which already looks bad. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm curious though. Like, sure, like Justice League turned out to be like one of the worst superhero movies like probably in terms <laughs> yeah, of like honestly of the decade. It's, it's, a, it's as big of a fuck up as like fan four stick you know in my <laughs> mind with just in terms of like just an utter failure like it you know as, as bad as like because a lot of Steel studio is, interference like, too yeah exactly like, i think they really man fucked of steel it up. was like it clearly was Zack snyder's kind of vision whereas man mm-hmm. what's it called justice league it was consistent like, yeah i obviously Batman v Superman as well, like that was very good, but like, uh, but that also was had a bunch of studio interference. So I mean, I don't really know. I, I, don't, I don't either which way. I don't think it would really like it. Doesn't it's not really valued to me. I don't think it would particularly make the film sure. better necessarily. But I would. I'd be curious to see, at the very least. Yeah, I still haven't it's even seen call. the normal one. I don't think it would change my. <laughs> it wouldn't change my view on the movie either, because that's the cut they chose to release. But. Uh, I don't know. I think it would suck anyway. <laughs> Honestly, that's my guess. Yeah. It's better to like leave it in your head, have like this, have this vision of the Justice League alternate cut in your head, than to like actually live it out. Because I think you'd be disappointed, um, whoever you are, DC fans, if if like <laughs> you saw the actual cut, it probably wouldn't be as good as you were hoping. Absolutely. I think I think a lot of this just comes from people being already emotionally attached to these pre-existing characters from the comic books or whatever, and they're just like, if they're a little bit disappointed by something or think that there's like a better version of some of these characters and their story out somewhere, they just want to see it. Like, no one's saying release the Snyder Cut for any other movie that he's made if there was like interference with the studios or something no one's going like release <laughs> yeah. the Snyder cut of Legend of the Guardians Elves of Gahul or some shit like it's only with <laughs> the superhero stuff right like it, it's this idea that like oh well Suicide well, they a Squad movie. will be better they, if it's like, extended they were really looking like forward there was just a this. few scenes missing or some shit a lot of people were looking forward to the Justice League movie like they were the Avengers or something mm-hmm. It was like a big build-up <laughs> to this event. And the studio really fucked up, like, the movie. Like, whatever Zack Snyder came up with is probably better than what they came up with. Because it is, it does Absolutely. feel like a mess. It does feel like a third of a movie that was, like, re-edited and then another guy came in and, and finished the rest of it. It's such a disaster. <laughs> and I can see why people were disappointed. Yeah, it's never going to happen any there, better. So whatever. Yeah. Better just leave it. They'll make another Justice League movie in 15 years when they reboot everything. And oh, hopefully yeah. that one's better. Release okay, what, the, they gonna JJ cut. the Justice League now. They're never going to make another one. <laughs> no, that's what Disney will buy the rights to DC and then they'll do it. Justice League crossover with Avengers. That's what they'll do. <laughs> yeah. 
have a great question from Three-Headed Freak, who says, what would you say are the most over-referenced movies? So movies in pop culture that we're, we're, we're kind of sick of seeing um, referenced in terms of, I don't know, memes, be it within movies themselves. Like there's lots of movies contain references to other movies, be them over or more subtle. Star Wars. Um, an obvious example. Yeah, Star Wars is the obvious one. Like, just watch any Kevin Smith movie <laughs> and that will start tiring you. Um, 2001, yeah. Space Odyssey, that's a reference to hell of a lot. Yeah. Um, Although Mr. Robot referenced that pretty well. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that, that was a good example of it. Yeah. There's always exceptions, but yeah, Star Wars and that stuff. Yeah, I guess Pulp Fiction as well is... I mean, they even yeah. reference Pulp Fiction yeah. in, in Space It's not Jam, so much like they? the movie itself, I just don't like like how it's referenced. Yeah, like no, it's nothing Kevin about Smith's the movies. just like, oh, it's a Star Wars thing. You recognize that, right? Haha. Mm -hmm. There's no like subtlety to it or like a joke even. It's just like references. Yeah. Back to the Future gets referenced a bunch. Yep. Yeah. A bunch of classic movies to the point where it's like you don't even really need to watch the movies. <laughs> you can just <laughs> understand mm -hmm. what they are through pop culture references. Yeah. <laughs> the Sixth Sense. Yeah, everybody knows how it ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a distinction, isn't there, between we rag on that film Ready Player One a lot because I think it deserves it, but like compare that to the way like Tarantino homages classic Hollywood in in his latest film, and there is a, a huge difference in my mind between the the kind of creative intent behind it. One is just yeah. look, you remember this, you remember Back to the Future, don't you? Look, there's the score from Back to the Future. <laughs> and then there's, right. you know, the subtle stuff going on in, in Tarantino the, the it's more like film. part of the world and organic. Like there's all those yeah. music. Like he's known for his use of music, but it's all like through the radio. Characters are listening to all these classic songs through the radio. It, yeah. it's more like world building. It's clever. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. <laughs> it's just a bunch of classic movies. Especially from the 80s. People yeah, love the 80s, 80s nostalgia. Circle jerk. Oh. <laughs> I don't have much more to add to that. <laughs> That's fine. Let's move on to this yeah, one then yeah. from Basild, who says, Hideo Kojima has expressed interest in making a film for his next project. What sort of film would you like from him? And do you think his skills working with games would translate well to a film? Thanks for the podcast. I don't like Hideo Kojima. I mean, I kind of do. Like, I, I respect him as, like, what he's trying to do, like, being almost an auteur of video games. Mm. But his style is so obnoxious and, like, overly long. And he is kind of pretentious, I think. Speaking we don't throw that word around a lot. But... You were speaking very highly of Death Stranding before. Yeah, we were also in a bar. <laughs> I no, I mean, he, even on the podcast. Well, was... I like Death Stranding a lot. Like, there's so many aspects to his games, even Metal Gear Solid, that I love. And, like, some of the direction of the cutscenes, like how he uses long takes, it's really cool. But, like, especially when it comes to characters or, like, the way he shoots women in his stuff. Like, it's close-ups on tits and asses all the time. It's so, like, like juvenile and stupid. The dialogue, I <laughs> and I wonder if that would tr that would carry over into his like uh, his uh, movies. Yeah, some of the dialogue yeah. is pretty bad. Yeah, he, he yeah. strikes me as one of those kind of classic ideas men type characters, like a George Lucas, who can come up with these ridiculous concepts. But you might need someone else to kind of rein it in a little bit. Yeah, maybe because he is kind of a genius. 
<laughs> I think. Yeah, but he's always been propped up by how fantastic the actual game design is. I don't know if he if he mm-hmm. if he doesn't have that and everyone is forced just to sit through just a two hour cutscene, basically, <laughs> as which is a yeah, film. Cutscenes are so long. I'm not sure if people would give him the same I don't want to say pass, but you know what I mean, like the you know, people do forgive certain things that I don't think they would in a like narrative feature. Oh, of course. Film. Right. Plus a video game is so long, there's so much to take in. Like in an hour and a half movie, not so much. Like if he starts with the juvenile bullshit in his movie, or if he like makes a cameo in it, he has to like put his name everywhere, directed by Hideo Kojima, written by Hideo Kojima. He's in Metal Gear Solid. Like if he yeah, starts doing crap like that, farcical. people are gonna get sick of it. Because movies are very different in that way, I think. Yeah, I don't know what he would make. And, yeah. I I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. So I, I don't know what type of story I would like to see him tackle or what kind of movie I would like to see him tackle. I would like to see him do whatever the fuck he wants and then I would be interested in seeing how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if he would necessarily do live action or if he would, you know, basically just make a if video game cutscene that movie. Cool. Like a CG animated. Yeah, yeah that who would knows? Be cool too. He's certainly creative in ways. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, his worlds are very intricate and thought out. Yeah, that's what I'd want to see. Something maybe even like lean towards kind of horror because he's always kind of been good at that kind of mm-hmm. the, yeah. the creepier side. And especially in Death Stranding, from what I've seen, like the some of the concepts are very interesting in, in, the, in the way they're displayed. It's, it's just the dialogue that kind of lets it down for me personally. Mm-hmm. I'd be down for watching like a weird film, like even if it is something like Wizards and it's just completely mental. At least it would be entertaining and valuable in that sense. Yeah, we'll see. He really loves uh, Nicholas Winding Refn, so maybe he'll make something <laughs> with him. Yeah, he uses all of his actors. Mads Mikkelsen. That's, that's a good point, actually. Or, or like, isn't Guillermo del Toro in that game as well? Like, yeah. Of filmmakers. Yeah, he is. He uses a lot of, like, A-list actors. Elias Seydoux and Norman Reedus. And fucking, yeah. You know, established actors. It's cool. If if he conceptually came up with some kind of idea and worked with a filmmaker like Del Toro, I, I could actually see something quite unique yeah. coming from that. But I don't know if he was given if he was given full control if a if it would particularly gel with me or not. He was a crazy man. <laughs> yeah, crazy brilliant man. Yeah, we need that mm-hmm. kind of crazy. There, I do have that love hate relationship with him because there are those moments in his games that are beautiful and perfect and then there's some shit that's so stupid or characters that are so stupid <laughs> yeah and it makes me want to shut it off <laughs> honestly <laughs> i was playing metal gear solid and there's like uh, literally 10 minutes of text explaining like the nuclear war and how like society changed from 1990 to 2006 yeah. it's like holy shit i can't I, you couldn't even skip it <laughs> it's fucking I'd like terrible. to see him actually tell a story in less than like, 20 hours or whatever he normally takes. Yeah, to dump a bunch yeah of I don't know what the hell he would do, given that yeah, time frame. It has to be breakneck in comparison. Because isn't like the final cutscene in Death Stranding literally like two or three hours long in and of itself? And that's <laughs> that's what I've heard. Ending, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> it's just like a whole film. You just have to sit and watch a movie. You could do a miniseries. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that'd be more for him. It's a longer format. But it's also just like... You're already in your field, and you're so well known in your field. You might as well stick there. People responded fairly positively to Death Stranding. Why not just stay along? Like you don't need to make like Death Stranding too, but try something else, like something you know, 
you don't have to be you don't have to do a movie it's not the be all end all if that's what he wants to do then sure but yeah it's not like an upgrade we'd actually see how good of a storyteller he is in a short format yeah yeah which would be fairly telling i'm sure mm-hmm. it will yeah it'd be which interesting is why i'm kind of interested in seeing it yeah. yeah yeah no for sure i think we'd all watch it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i'm not going to deny the guy's brilliant cuz like yeah. his games are excellent <laughs> i think a lot of them are Okay. Yeah, Chewy Boy has one um, only for Ralph, I'm afraid. Who <gasps> says oh. most important thing you learned in film school? That's all. Most important thing. What's the most important? I don't know. Thing? There's a lot of things. <laughs> Work with other people. Other people help you, and they they they're very talented and intelligent, and you should listen to them. Yeah, yeah. You have it's to very rely. Vague, but <laughs> no, I get what you mean. It's like like a... you, you do have to rely on a. On like a team, don't you? More so when you're working on a project as as large yeah. as you know, sure. I mean, even Hideo Kojima, he has a huge team of people that he coordinates with to make these grand visions. It's not Absolutely. just him. It's very easy to see one name on the poster or whatever. And like when you go into film school, I think people have that idea of like, oh, I'm gonna make movies, but it's more complicated than that. And like a lot of people discover they, I just like doing sound mixing or. They like mm-hmm. being the director of photography instead of the director. They're not actually good at directing actors at all yeah. or something. <laughs> and like even actors, it's like most of acting and directing actors is just listening to them and what they want and like morphing it, morphing the story toward them or for me anyway. But yeah, I just coordinate and collaborate. Yeah, no, good answer. Yeah. Want to do one more? Yeah, let's end on this one from Plaster, Plaster Man 40. There's a more philosophical one to end on. How important is kindness, and how do you try to be kind to others? <laughs> Just throwing it out there. It's very important. Golden rule. Yeah, it's essential. Yeah. It's, it's the way I kind of operate is like, I'll, I'll always be friendly to people, and I kind of give back whatever I'm given. So if I, I'll always start off being friendly, and as long as, uh, you know, I'm reciprocated, then... You know, that's that's fine. It's essential you start there because if you start at like a, the, the opposite end of the spectrum, it usually only leads one way. And yeah, what is the exactly. point? <laughs> if you can't avoid pointless conflict, why would you not? Yeah, in, in like, like that, in conversations, I try to stay positive. If it starts to get negative or a way I don't like, I just leave or go, oh, okay, yeah. Well, that's fun. I don't. I don't want to like argue with someone. Or, like, yeah, because as soon as the arguments start flying, then it the original then it goes down like, point yeah. kind of is lost normally, <laughs> and it becomes all emotional and about something that it it probably wasn't to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it's just pointless in my mind to do that kind of thing. It's just you go to a bad place. It's pointless. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If you treat people like shit, people will treat you like shit. If you don't want to mm-hmm. get treated like <laughs> shit, don't treat people like shit. Yeah. But how are you it, kind? I, I usually ask, like, oh, how was your day? I want to hear yeah. about their day. I think People listening, like to be listened to. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Listening and asking questions is an easy one. Like, just showing, like, just, you don't even need to show that much interest. Just just enough. Just to keep it, you know, kind of going. <laughs> I like to show genuine interest in at least, like, what they did that day. Absolutely. Because yeah, you, can, like you, can, you can learn so much from people who are different from you. Mm-hmm. Um, so asking and and finding out information about people who are different from you is always telling in some way and you'll learn something from them and you're not going to learn anything if you you know start conversations in the opposite way 
Damn. Yeah, if I know a little bit about the person, I'll try to ask them about something they're passionate about. Like if we meet like fans or something, I ask them about movies. Or like if I'm talking to a doctor, I ask them like some, I don't know, like some fucking medical thing or <laughs> you know <laughs> something they would know. <laughs> so they just like people? even if I don't know what they're talking about, they're at least passionate about something they're talking about. Like yeah. My dad talks about insurance for like ten hours. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're saying, but like it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Be, be excellent to each other. <laughs> Everybody should just chill the fuck out. Don't get stressed about things. Don't treat people like shit. Think before you act, I suppose. Yeah. Be <laughs> self-critical. You know, try to put yourself in someone else's perspective. Yeah. Try to be nice. Some people just can't figure that shit out. Some people just don't want to be cool. Not in all cases. Cool. <laughs> For an instance, like a stand-up comedian shouldn't be funny. No, I, I, not funny. It shouldn't what? be nice. I mean, <laughs> okay. Or shouldn't be worried about other people's opinions or, or in that way. Like a stand-up comedian, I don't think they should be like, like trying to avoid subjects or trying to be nice because I think they're trying to be funny and they should be challenging and and mm-hmm. someone has to be the butt of a joke to a certain extent, right? <laughs> so yeah, there is I mean, an element to tell of that. a joke without <laughs> insulting yeah. someone. Yeah, you have to insult someone or something when you're like creating art. That's like different than just normally yeah, interacting. Yeah, there's it's, there's with different people. context for it. It's not like, oh, just be nice to everybody all the time, because that's weird. There's there's ways of expressing yourself that's that you can be, like, not so nice. <laughs> yeah. Because there's different yeah. there are different ways to express, you know, niceness and kindness. Because, like, mm-hmm. what you imagine when you imagine someone who is, you know, really kind and nice is, like, a smiling, kind of bubbly person. And obviously, like... Mm-hmm. That doesn't really describe me at all, but that doesn't mean I yeah, can't not me. <laughs> you know, be nice. Yeah, like you would expect. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, it depends. I just think it's hard to be mean to someone when you're interacting with them or like having a conversation with them in that way, where it is so personal that I'm like, uh, but art yeah. or co- comedy or any of those things, I think you should, yeah, do whatever you want. It's easy to be mean on the internet. There's a barrier. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's easy to get lost in that kind of mindset and assume that that's just the way people behave. But uh, at least from my mm-hmm. experience, anyone I've met to do with YouTube or listeners or fans or whatever, they've always been like incredibly kind. Because mm-hmm. um, people don't behave like they do on the internet in real life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't like people like that. They act like they act like internet characters in real life. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> yeah, so it can be yeah. that much. <laughs> yeah. Like they're doing like a stand-up routine in front of you, you know. I don't, I don't yeah, like I that. I mean. That's not genuine to me. I don't know. I don't know if I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, I don't know. Give me an um, example. It's, I don't know. I, I think I, I know what I you mean. <laughs> it's, it, it's like an archetype of person, um, where perhaps through maybe some level of insecurity, they feel the need to like be the center of attention type. Okay. You know? Yeah. Or be what they think people like about them instead of just being themselves. Or yeah, like it's it's quite easy to tell when someone is being fake. I think. Oh um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it usually rings quite true. I think that's kind of what Ralph's getting at. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> if you can do good question, a small thing yeah. that is not a big deal for you, but it is a big deal for somebody else that makes their day. Fucking do it. Absolutely. Yeah. 
All right. That's it for questions? I believe so. It's a good lot. Thank you. Is it Ralph's turn to recommend something? I believe so. Is it? Yeah, Alex, you did the one before. Well, I did I did the last one. You did this one. So, yes, Ralph. Okay. Mm. Have you seen the Meyerowitz stories, Adam? Let's see. <laughs> Let me <laughs> type it. <laughs> With Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler? Uh, let's... How do you even spell Meyerowitz? M-E... M-E-Y-E-R-O. And then... Cause, oh, see that's if you, not a bomb back. <laughs> if it comes out. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's not a bomb back. It's on my watch list. I haven't seen it yet. Okay, so I recommend that. Okay. Another movie with Adam Sandler. Okay, <laughs> We're nice. Adam Sandler a fun. <laughs> Noah. Madagascar. The Meyerowitz Stories. New and Selected, 2017. Okay. M E Y E R O W I T Z for anyone trying to type that yeah. in. <laughs> I hope I'm saying it correctly. Probably not. <laughs> it's on Netflix, and, so yeah, it's, it's on easy Netflix, to get. It? Okay, and great. they should make a criterion of this one, too. We'll see. Because they're doing that for Marriage Story, they're doing that for Irishmen. So why not? Directed by Noah Bombach. Is that how you pronounce his name? Madagascar 3? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The best. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, excuse me. Bless you. Ugh. Sorry, I got the coronavirus. Ugh. All right. <laughs> uh, if you don't want to be spoiled for the Meyerowitz stories, <laughs> uh, directed by Noah Bombach, 2017, then watch that before the next episode. If you want to support the show, $2 a month, sardonicast.com. Sign up for premium. You'll get these episodes early. Also, patreon.com slash sardonicast. Same thing. Did I forget anything? I think I think that's everything. I don't think so. <laughs> I think that's everything. I don't know. I'm kind of out of it. Whatever. <laughs> Poor. Okay. <laughs> thank well, you, everybody. Now, so it's fine. Yeah, Love thank you. Love you all. Be Thanks excellent to everyone. each other. Bye. Bye. <laughs> sure. We'll try.